a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Coming up after 10.15, our therapist panel in studio to discuss change. Why is change a good thing for relationships and how do we deal with that? A lot of us don't like change very much, but change is part of life. And how do we cope with that in a relationship when we change, when they change, when our relationship changes and our circumstances change? All of that will be addressed uh, coming up. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Before I answer your questions, I just want to do a shout-out, give a shout-out to all our wonderful listeners who came out to celebrate our 20-year anniversary on Friday evening. We had an amazing, amazing time. If you missed the broadcast, it's up on my website at drlaurie.com, and you can listen to the podcast uh, anytime. All right, couple of things on the text board. I did not get to answer questions on Friday, so some of these are from Friday night, I believe. Uh, some people have double nipples, two on one breast. That reminds me of a Friends episode with Chandler. Is this common, and can this affect breastfeeding? So, no, I don't think that it's uh, it's common. But uh, in terms of the breastfeeding, you'd have to see, is one nipple the one attached to the, the, the ducts, the milk ducts, and the other one not? Are they both... Um, are they located close to each other? So the same milk ducts? Like this is a, a good question to ask a, a, a gynecologist uh, for sure. Maybe they can do an ultrasound and, and find out or what have you. Uh, my daughter loves your show. She's a big fan. She recently started uh, dating someone. How do I give her the sex talk? <laughs> Hopefully you've given her the sex talk before right now. Um, so I'm assuming she is an older teenager, let's say, and what you want to make sure is that uh, whatever you can talk to her about uh, consent, making sure that whatever she's going to do uh, or that is that something she wants to do and that she doesn't feel pressured into it. So you can have a discussion with her about consent. You can have a discussion with her about protection and you can have a discussion with her about pleasure. Like these are three of the things that we need to, in order to have healthy sexuality. And these are some of the things we don't talk to kids about or teenagers about, but they're out there having sex. And so a lot of these things are not, are not discussed. If you bring up the subject, at the very least, your uh, kid, your daughter will know, okay, this is a subject that can be brought up here and it's important to, to talk about these things. And the things that are often not covered, although uh, consent is now being covered in the school curriculum, but nonetheless, you want to talk about consent protection and pleasure. The third one is more difficult, I get, for parents because you are assuming your children at that point are going, you know, possibly be sexual. And what do we ultimately want for our kids? We don't want them to have uh, unhealthy or traumatic or any uh, like sexual experiences. We want them to have healthy sexual experiences. But what does that mean? It means that pleasure is involved. Why are people having sex? For pleasure. Yet pleasure is the one thing we don't discuss 
uh, with uh, teenagers when we are talking about sexuality. So there's something you could actually uh, bring up and let your uh, uh, daughter know, look, if something, if it doesn't feel pleasurable or it's painful or there's something wrong, please come to me. We'll find a solution. I'll help you find a solution or we'll take you to the doctor or what have you. Do not have to suffer in silence. Another uh, question, as another woman in my 50s, how do I keep my sex life alive uh, with my husband? Well, that's a, a, a big question, right? And the reason why I wrote the book, The Sex Bible for People Over uh, over 50, because there are definitely changes that happen as we age that we need to be aware of. And sometimes people, because of the changes, they have a tendency to just give up. Like, oh, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm too old for sex. Like they experience a little bit of erectile dysfunction. Okay, they give up. Or uh, dry vagina and it's painful. Okay, I give up. There's no point and no need to give up on uh, good sex and pleasure uh, later in life. You can have pleasure. Your body can continue to give you pleasure for years and years and years to come. So uh, talking about it is important. Having that communication with your partner, letting your partner know, look, I I would like us to continue to be sexual, but what does that look like? It can look very different, differently for different people. It doesn't have to be penis in vagina uh, sexuality. There can be a lot of other activities that can be done, but the important thing is to find a way for you to connect physically, whether it's uh, mutual massage, where, whether it's mutual masturbation, whether whatever it is, it doesn't have to be about intercourse, but it should be about that um, that connection. For keeping the things more passionate over time, what's really important is to change things up. Something happens in our brain in long-term relationships in terms of the chemicals. And the only thing to to boost like that, that the dopamine that, that makes you feel lusty is to actually do different things. So if it's same old, same old, then you're not going to get that rush of, of that dopamine. So you need to actually be doing something a new, maybe a little adventurous. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Doesn't have to be anything uh, so out of your comfort zone. But all these little changes actually bring more desire, more passion with your partner. Think about when you go on vacation, you go to a new place. Often people report back to me saying they always seem to have great sex when they go on vacation. Why is that? Because it's a new experience. It's a new environment. It's a new place, a new bed, a new whatever it is, right? So that's all um, part of it. Gray writes, no questions, Doc. Just congratulations on 20 years, and hopefully I'll be sending you jokes for another 20. Maybe I'll even have a girlfriend by then. Let's hope it doesn't take you the next 20 years, but, you know. Um, Congratulations on the last 20 years. Unfortunately, I've only been listening for the last couple of years, but I do love the show. Uh, Good job from Just Drew. Uh, How do I convince my significant other to agree to anal sex, Dr. Lori. It's been a long 30 years married. So why, talking about changing things up, if you have to convince your partner to do anything, you're going to be applying pressure on them. You can suggest different things. You can talk to your partner about, hey, it would be fun if we mix things up a little bit or we tried new things. 
how would you feel about, or, or tell me what are some of the things that we could do together or read a book together and get other ideas. But why does it have to be anal sex? If your partner is completely uncomfortable with that idea, you're not going to push her towards that. It, and we all have a right to say no to certain activities that we find whether it's icky for us or painful for us or whatever it is we have every right to to say no this is not something that uh, that we want to do and bear in mind that anal sex for the receiver for many is a painful uncomfortable thing for others it's fine but for many it, it, it's not comfortable at all so we have to respect each other's boundaries in a in a healthy relationship but you know you say it's been a long 30 years married do other things that spice it up but talk together about what it is if you keep suggesting the same thing over and over again your partner's going to get so turned off and say you know just shut up already like i don't want to hear this anymore and and they're going to start being turned aw- wanting to turn away from sex altogether and that's not what you want to do you want to bring your partner closer to you so you've got to talk about uh, some of these things and maybe sit down and drop a list of all the things and you can say what are the maybes what are the absolute no-goes and uh, you know what are the absolute uh, yes I am absolutely willing to try this so try sitting down and, and making that uh, that three-part list and see what you um, what you come up with From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Well, you change, they change, you change together. People often fear change or they don't want things to change very much. They're not so good with change. But why is change good for our relationships, for the couple. Change happens all around us and we need to learn how to deal with the changes that happen in a relationship, especially in relationships that are uh, long-term. We're going to talk about that tonight. would love to hear some of your thoughts as well at 514-800. Joining me in studio is uh, Jackie Miller. She's a clinical psychologist and a psychology uh, college professor. Stefan Bensusen is here. He's a health psychologist. He's the founder of C-Santé in the West Island. And Sandra Riche, psychotherapist and the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Welcome, gang. Hi. My gang of colleagues. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, So where do you begin when we talk about um, change? And I'm sure we all get uh, clients who come to our offices in response to some major changes in in their relationship or their, their life, and they don't know how to cope with some of these changes. So Let's let's get some of your thoughts on on this, Sandra. You want to start the ball rolling? Well, the first thing I would say is the only thing sure in life is that things change. Yeah, that's right? true. And we're not that comfortable with change. It makes us in my office. It shows up a lot as anxiety. People get nervous when there's change. But on the other hand, let's look at the flip side. If things never changed in a relationship, how would that look? True. Yeah. So it's all a question of your interpretation of change. I think that's the first thing that people have to consider. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that change happens? Right. Jackie? Yeah. It's, you know, relationships evolve, right? Whether it's in a romantic relationship, friendships, work relationships. And I think having, 
starting off with those expectations that things are going to change. Like you're to be with somebody for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years and expect them to be exactly the same way、mm. they were when you first met them is probably unrealistic. Right. And so no, going into it, kind of knowing that as we go on as a couple, that we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to change together. Sometimes it will be, you know, at, at the same time and that'll be great. And other times it'll be more difficult. It'll be rougher. Well, there'll have to be some adjustments. Like、mm -hmm. that, it, it's how we respond to changes. Recently, I got a, a letter from somebody who was asking that question. Like, you know, we were in a relationship. Then is it possible my partner changed so much that they didn't, like, they, let, they ended up leaving the marriage? But, You know, and, and it was a little scary. It was like they changed that much that the, the relationship wasn't good for them anymore. And then I get questions from、uh, like you know, older people versus younger people who are, getting, who are getting married and then divorced. Like if you get married at a very early age, there's going to be more chance of change than, say, if you get married in your 30s, where certain things are more,、uh, are more established.、Mm. So, Stefan, what do you think? Well, I think it's important to understand that change is healthy and we want change. And anything, I always say that stagnancy is unhealthy and sometimes pathological. So we want to create change in our lives, otherwise, change will happen to us and then we'll be the victims of that change. And so when people change in our relationships and we don't always have control, it's going to bring up anxiety. Absolutely. It's going to、right. bring up fear because we don't have that control. Right. I think it's important to be able to accept that we are going to go through changes that we're saying and to be able to embrace the change that comes with it. And if we are going into a state of resistance, it's like, let's look inside and say, what is it about this change that I'm uncomfortable with? What's、mm. going on with my partner that it triggers something in me? What do I feel about this? And why is this scary for me? On the flip side, a lot of what we see too are people who come in.、Um, Especially with couples, and they want their partner to change. Like they are insistent, well, I'm not happy, he has to change, or I'm not happy, she has to change. And that's, you know, that's a hard, that's a difficult thing to wrap your head around when you, when you, tell, when you tell people, like, you can't force change on, on somebody else.、Yeah. So encouraging change, there's a, there's a difference between encouraging Change and not taking responsibility either, right? And just insisting, no, my partner now has to change to adapt to me.、Mm -hmm. And、Jackie? I think、um, something that Sandra said about in how you interpret change. Sometimes when our partner is changing, it, people will interpret it like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, oh, why do you want to do these new activities? Or why、right. do you, it, I'm not enough, or something's not enough, or we're、That's、missing something. And really, You know, maybe it's not anything about you. It's just this person through the course of their life, because they're an individual too. They're part of a couple, but they're an individual. And so, first, before they're a couple, they are an individual.、Yeah. And people lose sight of that.、Mm -hmm. And so, when somebody breaks out of that, the couplehood, it's not that they don't want the couplehood, but they may come to a conclusion for themselves that, hey, I need to be me. Like, who am I besides being somebody's wife or somebody's husband? Who is me? What do I like?、Uh, and this bring, can bring on a lot of changes, which uh, creates a, a, an imbalance often, a disequilibrium in the relationship that can throw a relationship into a bit of turmoil or chaos, if you will. Yeah. I think you're saying something very important there. I think that romantic love, the kind that we hear about in love songs, often. 
sounds a little bit like a fusion, like where we become one. We become one. You right. complete me. And it's what you're saying is like there's a you, there's a me, and there's an us. Right. And I think we need to keep all those things to keep a healthy relationship. But if there's a you, a me, and an us, then of course there can be changes in the individual. It's how do you negotiate that in the couple? And that's right. that's skills that you have to talk about. Right. There's skills and there's um, there's expectations and and also read. I, I think like thinking about how we view change. You said that at the beginning, Sandra. Is yeah. like does is change a bad thing? Why does it have to be viewed as a bad thing? What do we learn from change and how do we adapt to that? But you know, sometimes it can be little things. I was talking uh, on our way here. Yeah. We were talking about. Uh, you know, when I, I I became a vegan about I'd say about two and a half years ago, and at the at first it was a tough adjustment for my family, especially my husband who's a carnivore. Like he likes his you know his meat and chicken and, and all that stuff. So at first it was like he'd make fun of me and my eating habits. Like, why well, you don't miss this and you know and and all of that. And over time. He's adapted, I guess he saw I was serious and it wasn't just a folly of, of, you know, a month thing. And then he started adapting to it so that now he cooks for me vegan style. He watches out for me in terms of if things are vegan when he shops, he checks labels for me. So, and so he's adapted and I'm like so proud of him that he, and so happy and it made us closer because he respects my choices in that way. It wasn't easy for him. He's especially because he was the one doing most of the cooking. It's like, now what do I do? You know, it's like, so it was a little bit of a resistance, but a lot more talking, tolerance, understanding. Like these are the things that are needed um, to be able to adapt to change rather than push it away. Or, or see it as a threat to oneself, right? And usually the person who instigates the change is seen as like, you know, the bad What's guy. wrong with you? Yeah, right. exactly. And so, but how I think you present it. So like if, if you're saying, oh, I'm going to be vegan, but you're not kind of pushing it on him, then that gives him some breathing room to be able to get used to it and and then take it in on his own at his own pace. And sometimes maybe that's how therapy can be helpful with couples. If they come in, somebody wants to change and the therapist can kind of help the person present it in a way that it's like digestible, right? You know, yes. And then, so, so, so to speak. no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended, right? <laughs> Certainly digestible, and and in small increments. Like mm. it doesn't have to be. Like there was a time when you know, let's say my husband totally rejected my vegan eating and 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 what have you, and it's like I wouldn't eat that stuff or he'd make you know jokes like you need more lettuce rabbit girl you know like whatever it is and now he'll eat the meals with me you know and um, i said oh this is rather good just like, oh you've come a long way i should have recorded you back then yeah. <laughs> you know and sometimes those are the you know some of those little things but it takes it can take a while to digest but you don't want to push away you you want to embrace it rather than than push back too hard right it because then to, you push your partner work. away yeah it wouldn't work it wouldn't have made you not be vegan right it would have made it, you that's resentful. Right. okay there yeah. you go so i think we need to look at yeah. what happens and how we negotiate that change or how we adapt to it because it's exactly it there's two responses to that right the other one pushes you resent yeah the other one em embraces or tries to at least understand it right and tries to come towards support it or come towards it then you end up having more of that mutual respect and and all of that 
Hmm. We have to give, remember that sometimes people have a difficulty in terms of embracing this and accepting people's changes because it means that they create and it creates the instability within themselves. And people who have had trauma in their early life may have a resistance to change because it throws them up into anxiety and reminds them of the the instability in their life from the younger days. So maybe uh, coming up, we'll talk about um, trauma. We'll talk about uh, change creating instability and why that happens for some while others might embrace it more. with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Relationships naturally endure many changes, moving, starting a new job, sometimes spending time apart, getting married, having children. Um, some changes can be quite difficult, but is uh, do we have to see change as a bad thing? And what makes us more resilient or adaptable to change, why is it that some people tend to embrace change uh, better, and other people can really go into a panic state or develop anxiety because of change? Uh, tonight, it's our therapist panel addressing this issue: Jackie Miller, a clinical psychologist; Stefan Ben Susan, a health psychologist; Sandra Risha, psychotherapist; clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. So, what is it you think that um, makes some people embrace change or at least adapt better to change? What would be some of the factors that you would see, Stefan? Well, I think an inner structure, a sense of stability and security within oneself. So having grown up with some predictable parenting, some predictable life events, a sense of control when there is change happening, when there's no major trauma that's happened, so they develop what we call resilience. It's this term that we use in psychology called you know, psychological resilience, which is the ability of coping with change that happens on an emotional level, on a, sometimes on a, on a physical level, and how does a person recover from events that are difficult to deal with. Right. Some people recover really, really well and adapt quickly, and others don't. So the ones that we see that in our in our offices are sometimes people who have, you know, have hangups who are are tricked into situations where they feel that they they're losing touch with things. Uh, people who have trouble adapting to uh, whether it's relationship changes or, or or mental health changes or diagnoses, for example, and it could be little things. Mm-hmm. But it could also be major traumas. Right, right. So that's the flip side is the tr- the trauma. So like history of unpredictability, history of a, a loss of control somewhere. Right. Uh, a person can grow up thinking I need to I need to stay in control or I need to have control. So change is often something that happens to us. I mean, some changes, of course, we make, but often things are life events, changes in 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 whatever it is, in situations, moves, uh, deaths, whatever it is, there's events that happen in life as we age, of course. And then it's those things that, how they respond. Do they respond as they did, you know, as a, as a child mm-hmm. that wasn't, there wasn't predictability. And so this throws them, triggers a certain response, so that, that same trauma. That's right. It right? reminds them of the difficulty that they had when they were younger and that kind of re-victimizes themselves in that situation if they haven't learned how to cope with that situation in a better way. 
So maybe we could talk about that victimization. Uh, Sandra, you wrote pretty much a whole book on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're like the expert on victimization and how we have a tendency to do that. It's like when change happens, we become, we either over-dramatize the change or we focus, we focus on the negative aspect of it. And when we do that, I think it makes us feel like we're a victim of life. Yeah. I, I think that we all can fall into victimization. I think it's somewhat seductive. And I even go so far as to say that I advocate the occasional pity party. Yes. I've done as long a few as it myself. doesn't last too long, it's right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the key thing to keep in mind when we start to feel victimized is that the antidote to victimization is choice. And as adults, we have choices, not always good choices, but there's still choice. And within the fact that we have choice lies empowerment. And empowerment, again, is very linked with what Stefan's talking about, resiliency, because children that learn, you know, when you teach your children, there's going to be unpredictable events in children's lives. But the message they have to get is that in good times or bad, I can survive this. Right. So that's what it comes down to. We'll get through this. So there might we'll be two choices that are not so great, but how do I make the best of those two choices right. and choose one? And by having that choice, you still have some locus of control. Right, which helps you adapt to anything that's thrown your way, as difficult yeah. as it may be, but you still feel like, I will survive this. It's the conviction, the faith, I think. It's a certain level of faith that you have in yourself that okay, this is hard, it's not a change I want. This too shall pass. But this this will pass, or I will m make it through, or you know, I, I'll i make it to the other side kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's with confidence, right? So as your confidence and your ability to cope increases, then change doesn't seem so threatening. And I, there's like, when talking about resiliency, you know, two areas of research that really look at what promotes that. One is... Um, having a, having some one person like kids who have trauma or who are in difficult situations for me if they have one person who notices and one person who says i believe in you or i'm going to help you or uh, who takes an interest in them mm -hmm. it, and this is the whole idea of having mentorships and mm -hmm. and things like this in schools that's why they put resources into that because one person can actually you know the seed of resiliency right when a child is young um to do that and the so other far. area this idea with growth versus fixed mindset right is mm -hmm. that you know kids who who can learn and you can learn this growth mindset like i don't know something yet but eventually i will so that confidence you know like i'm struggling right now i haven't got there yet but i will and there's a lot of ways to instill that in children, in schools, parenting, that type of thing. I also think we sometimes need to instill this in adults. Mm -hmm. Sandra, you, we were having that conversation today. Oh, yeah. About, you know, you and I taking our boxing lessons and you're yeah. not feeling so good. And <laughs> yeah. you're, I'm, you know, not, I'm not and proud me, and of what my am boxing. I, and what am I telling you? You'll get there. You yes. don't know it yet. And yes. You can't be perfect yet. And we were talking about how... Right? embarrassing it is how incredibly pathetic I am at it but I do go back over and over again that's and I, right. I plan to and I you know again I can't get better at the skill unless I keep going that's towards right. something you see, so, I, even you see, I have to the, remind you so that you brought the boxing into the conversation here <laughs> you know that's exactly what I didn't want but yes good point good point exactly see, what's even needed. some of us need Resilience those reminders absolutely and yes I have choice there too I could give up 
and say, right. I'm not really good at this, or I can keep moving towards it. Maybe not become an incredible boxer. You don't need to be. But be proud right? of the fact that I keep trying, and I'm going to. And that you get better each time. Yes. That you may not know yes. everything on that the, the first class or the second class, yes. but maybe yes. in a few months from now. there's power in that choice. There's power Maybe in that. not good boxing, but power. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I dragged her to my to, yes, to, she did. To, to 360. That's right. Uh, Stefan, anything you want to add to uh, to coping? And maybe maybe we we can give uh, we'll be able to give our listeners coming up some some coping mechanisms, maybe, or a way to look at change a bit differently. If we can change the scope of people's thinking a little bit, we'll. Uh, We'll get to that coming up, and we'll get you started on that, Stefan. This is our therapist panel tonight. Jackie Miller is in studio, Stefan Bensusen, Sandra Reich, all colleagues, all wonderful therapists, and uh, I love having them on every month to discuss topics like putting all our heads together here and uh, and helping you out. So if there's anything you want to talk to them about or you want to talk about this notion of change, resiliency, choice, empowerment, all of these issues that have come up in the discussion of how to deal with change uh, in our relationships, in our lives, I would love to hear from you at 514-800. This is Passion on CJAD 800. Our therapist panel discussing change. I just want to clarify something. Texter writes, I wouldn't want to go toe-to-toe with you either. I don't beat Sandra up in boxing. We don't fight <laughs> yes, each other. She does. We do not fight each other. It is not that kind of, it's not a rink. Like no. we actually no. use bags. It's, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for that vote. Stefan and I are the I feel like a, Yeah, I feel like I'm like a beast, you know. It's like, <laughs> No. Uh, talking about uh, change and the coping skills required uh, for change. Of course, when one partner is going through something, um, I think it, it a change can be hard on, on both people. Changes can be difficult on the person experiencing it, and change can be hard on the person supporting you, right? But I think communicating about the change is really important, giving each other that mutual uh, support, being able to say that you're struggling, being able to help your partner through whatever changes are and giving them the, you know, having somebody's back in a way also helps getting through uh, certain changes. What are some of the things, uh, Stefan, you were going to start with that? Well, you know, as I tell my clients, coping with change can be pretty scary because we don't really necessarily know what's upcoming. But, you know, I always look at nature as a great source of wisdom. And um, the fall trees, for example, are a wonderful idea, wonderful inspiration. So trees, for example, are well-grounded, they're well-anchored, they're rooted, and they have beautiful leaves and sometimes flowers and stuff. But when it comes to fall, they lose their leaves, right? And somehow they trust that, you know, that sometimes they're going to get their leaves back in the spring. So sometimes what we have trouble letting go in life and we have trouble coping with change that happens to us. So it's almost like when when things happen around us, we're afraid of adapting to things. Things are going to be too difficult for us. But if you think of a tree... You know, it doesn't go into the fall saying, oh, my God, I don't want to lose my leaves. I want to hold on to my leaves. It just says, "Okay, it's time to let them go. And they fall. Mm -hmm. And then they trust. Inherently, there's a there's a there's a source. There's a a wisdom within the trees. The intelligence says that something's going to come back in the spring. 
and inherently every spring new buds come out Mm -hmm. and new flowers and new leaves and so forth come out but change can be disruptive wind can happen we can shake branches and stuff and that can make us feel a little bit unstable but i think inherently if we have a strong core and that's the analogy with the trees that Mm -hmm. we have a strong trunk and strong core and feeling good about ourselves and a sense of i can do this as you mentioned before Mm -hmm. laurie I can get through this. this. This too will pass. Yes, we might lose a few leaves along the way, but in the long run, we'll be okay. Right. I like to use also the analogy of a big wave. Like if you stay mm-hmm. planted firmly and just brace yourself, the wave will pass. Like it, right. you, it goes around you. You know, it'll go around you. You might swallow a bit of water. It might destabilize you a little bit, but it will it will pass, you know, and then you'll be able to, to swim to shore or what have you. So mm-hmm. it you have to be able to feel like feel grounded somewhere right. right and and that can come from faith that can come from different different things it can come from religious beliefs mm-hmm. too religious faith mm-hmm. um belief in, in yourself your social support the people around you who are there to to who have your back for example uh, from the community so there's mm-hmm. all kinds of ways that you can get that that grounding Sandra, what are you thinking? Well, as you're saying that, I'm just reverting back to the conversation about the couple. And I'm just thinking that whatever changes go on individually, if you have a premise in your couple that we're a team, um, it talks a little bit to this sort of almost like a social support within your relationship. Like we're a team. We're going to talk about this. We're going to see how to work with this new change in our relationship. But we're not losing sight of the fact that we're a team. So uh, how do we make these changes? Not sure, but let's sit down and talk about them. And if you've got that team sport attitude, I think it becomes a lot easier. Right. And if one person wants to make a change, you know, let's say a job opportunity comes up that's farther away how and, and a person really wants to take it or their job takes them away for long periods of time. You have to be able to have that relationship that you can discuss it, prioritizing the relationship with it, but how do we make it happen? Like looking at it together. Okay, I really want to do this. How do we make that happen together? And and then if you discuss it and you realize, okay, well, it may not be that possible. It might be a pipe dream or whatever, but at least it's been discussed and not dismissed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Dismiss would not be team sport. No. Right. No, I think you want to, the idea of trust, you know, like trust the process, mm-hmm. that this is a process. And mm-hmm. as you go mm-hmm. through the process, like, yeah, there'll be waves <laughs> and there'll be wind and, but trust the process that as you go through it, um, the skills that you've acquired through lots of different experiences, hopefully, and if you don't, then that's a good time maybe to see someone a psychologist mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. therapist um because the more these are skills you can learn them like people aren't born resilient right, right. you don't people you, you learn, learn these skills right yeah and That's so you can learn to be uh more embracing of change you might need some guidance to do that but it, it's not something you're just born with or you're not born right. with i think the guidance and the support some people need a therapist to give them a different perspective, something, another way, just another way of looking at change, another way of adapting to change, and to also pull out of the person their strengths. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes what I find is that people are are not aware, they think they're not resilient, or they think that they're going to crack when, when in fact, if you point out all the things they've been through and all the changes they've been through and they survived, like mm-hmm. then they realize, oh yeah, 
I did survive that and I mm -hmm. did survive that and I managed to get through this. So they actually think they're not resilient, but in fact, their history shows that resiliency. Mm -hmm. Even getting through trauma, you know, mm -hmm. and even building a life after trauma, that shows a certain level of resiliency as well. So people have to learn to draw on their strengths rather than maybe see themselves as, as the victim in that way. And that's like the, the other side to it. Yeah, yeah, and they can. They definitely can, and that's a great way to do it. Look at what you've been through and see what you can draw upon to keep moving along and moving along. Again, if you fall and you feel sorry for yourself for a bit, that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what do you do next? How do you get right. back on the horse? Which is the only thing we have control over. Right. Is the change can happen. Some changes we choose, others not. But the only thing, but we can choose how we respond uh, to things and the way we the way we view and, things. And developing what, I, you know, what we call the willingness to overcome difficulties, uh, being mm -hmm. proactive about something, not just letting it happen and us being passive about it and trying to avoid it. Right. Uh, yeah, avoidance doesn't do much except bury it and then it comes up. It Again. rears its ugly head somewhere. Somewhere. Somehow, right? Physically. It could be physical. I'm it could be in many different ways. Friend of anxiety avoidance. Right. Yeah. Friend of anxiety. Guys, thank you so much. Always such a pleasure to get all of these brainiacs in studio with me. Love it. Uh, Jackie, where can people reach you? Jackie Miller. Uh, my number is 514-772-5683. Stefan Bensusen, health psychologist, founder of Psy Santé. 514-542-6888. Or psysanté.com. There you go. Sandra Riche, uh, clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. 514-777-4530 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Wonderful. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, if people want to get in touch with me, you can go to my website at drlaurie.com or call my office at 514-984-5910. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in and spending your time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Aaron Lakoff. You can connect with me on other social media as well, Dr. at <clears throat> Dr. Lori Batito. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.